Before I really get into my message this morning, I know a lot of you know this, but I just want to um, um, kind of reiterate this point. When I get up here and teach, uh, that's what I am. God has gifted me to be a teacher of the Word of God. I'm not up here to entertain anyone, and I appreciate that you like my style of communication, for those of you that do, and I appreciate that you like, sometimes I put humor in there and various things, but I'm not up here to entertain anyone. I'm not up here necessarily to be a good communicator. I'm up here to teach you the Word of God. That's, that is my calling. That is my purpose. And so when you come to church, I don't want you to just come because you like the, the music that we sing or you like the, the way that I teach. I want you to come being hungry to receive the Word of God and then take that and apply it to your lives because all through life we are supposed to be growing in our walk with the Lord. Well, my job is to equip you for the work of the ministry. And so I'm just saying that. So I would love for you to take notes, not just because it makes me feel good, um, think, because you think that I said something good today. I, I want it for your learning, for your benefit, so that you will have that and know how to walk out this, this, uh, this walk, uh, the Christian walk as we learned last week. Amen? Amen. Uh, so with that being said, we're beginning a brand new teaching series this morning called One Another. Everybody say One Another. And uh, those of you who are familiar with the Bible, uh, specifically in the New Testament, you probably have an idea of where I'm going to go with this series. Um, if you would guess that I'm probably going to teach on some of the passages in the Bible that include the phrase one another, you would be correct. That is what we're going to do in this series. And we're going to look at some of the, the passages that are in the Bible, specifically in the New Testament, that use this phrase, one another. I'm sure when you hear the word one another, there are probably certain commandments that come to mind. Love one another, forgive one another, submit to one another, honor one another, encourage one another, accept one another, pray for one another, confess your sins to one another, I mean, you could go edify one another, exhort one another, comfort one another. You could go on and on and on with all the one another commandments that are in the Word of God. And what we're going to do in this series, we're not going to look at all of them because we would be here through Christmas. But we're going to look at four or five, maybe even six. I haven't really determined exactly how long that I want to go with this. But we're going to look at probably five or six of these one another commandments throughout this series. Because really what these commandments are about, they're about us growing in relationship. And you're going to learn that today. For us to draw closer as the body of Christ, for us to become more uh, united, for us to become more of a family. So if you want to get a head start, you can go ahead and turn to the book of Romans chapter number 12. I'm not going to read it just yet, but that is where we will be. If you have a hard copy of the Bible, you want to turn there. If you're going to use your your smartphone, you can go ahead and find that. It is not on Facebook or Twitter or Instagram, so go ahead and close those apps out. Um, <laughs> just making sure you're paying attention. Uh, but before I read this, I want to kind of bring to your attention an epidemic that's in our country. And you, you may know this, but I'm, I'm guessing you probably don't. You probably know about this, but you probably don't realize that it's an epidemic in our country, the United States of America. And that is the epidemic of loneliness. The epidemic of loneliness. I was reading, uh, when I was researching some of this out this week, a recent survey shows that a little over 70% of Americans suffer from chronic loneliness. 
70%. That is a lot. That's like seven out of 10. That's a lot of people that suffer from chronic loneliness. In fact, when I was researching this out, just looking at this epidemic, I ran across an article that says this. It says, Americans, Americans are lonelier than ever. Even though opportunities for social connection have exponentially increased. Even with affordable phone calls and free email, we're talking to each other less and we're spending less and less time with our families. It could be easily argued that loneliness is the epidemic of contemporary Western culture. And most of our other epidemics, from heart disease to pornography use, can trace their roots back to a lonely heart. Mother Teresa was right in stating that life without other people is the worst disease any human being can ever experience. The epidemic of loneliness. So what I want to do this morning is I want to look into God's Word and I want to find hope for this epidemic. For those 70% who, who are suffering from this chronic loneliness, I want to find hope in God's Word. That, that's why I love the Word of God. That, because no matter what we're going through, no matter what season of life we're in, if we're grieving, if we're hurting, if there's sadness, no matter where we are, there is hope in God's Word. Matter of fact, just say that. Say, there is hope in God's Word. So let's look at that hope this morning in regards to loneliness. Romans chapter 12, beginning at verse number 3, the Apostle Paul writes this. He says, For I say, through the grace that is given to me, to everyone who is among you, not to think of himself or herself more highly than he ought to think. That's good advice. But to think soberly, as God has dealt to each one a measure of faith. For as we have many members in one body, but all the members do not have the same function, so we, being many, are one body in Christ, and individually members of what? One another. Now this is probably one of the one another phrases that did not come to your mind when you were thinking about one another passages in the Bible. But I want to look at this, and I want to start off with this one, because really the main point behind this this passage of Scripture, in my opinion, now there are other points, but in, in my opinion, the main point behind this writing is to grow more united in the body of Christ, to uh, form stronger relationships within the body, to really um, serve our role as a single individual member in the body so that the overall body can be more effective. And so really, this passage of Scripture is introducing these one another commandments that are all about relationships. So I want to start, if you're taking notes, the first thing I want to tell you this morning is that God is a relational God. You have to know that. God is a relational God. How many are thankful that, you're, that your Heavenly Father is a relational God? Scott, what does that mean? That means that He's not a force. He's not an energy. He's not a, a cosmic power in the universe that, that cannot relate with us, but he is a relational God. In fact, all throughout Scripture, you see uh, the characteristics of someone who is relational. He is referred to as the Father. He's referred to as the Son. He's referred to as a helper, the counselor, the advocate, the healer. The intercessor. I mean, all of these things are about relations, relationships. He is a relational 
God, which is good news for all of us because he can relate with us and he wants to relate with you today. God is a relational God. Even before he created anything, this is, this is crazy. Even before he created anything, God was never alone. Now this is, I know for some of you, this is going to be like, oh, that's so confusing. That's okay. It's, you know, I'm glad that, that God is, is, is bigger than me. I, if I could figure God out, he really wouldn't be God to me. Okay? And what I mean by that is that God was, even before he created anything, God was never alone. That is part of the mystery of the way that he reveals himself in the Holy Trinity. Have you ever noticed in Genesis when God was making man, he says, let us make man in our image? You ever notice that? Just let me see your hand. I want to know who all is reading the Bible. Okay. Somebody's like, I never noticed it, but I'm going to raise my hand because I don't want him to think I don't read. That's what the Word of God says. Let us make man in our image. Who is God talking to? Has he got like a tribe of Indians there that he's talking to? No, this is part of the, the mystery of the way he reveals himself. It's, it's the, the Holy Trinity, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. It's not three gods, and I've taught on this before. It's not three gods, but it's, 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 it's one God existing in three persons. Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. So even when God was alone, he wasn't alone. He's, he's always been relational. He is a relational God. Well, Scott, what does this have to do for our teaching today? It means that God is relational and that he wants to be in relationship with you and me. As a matter of fact, we were created for relationships. That's the second point. Humans were made for relationships. And if you don't know this, then you, you could find yourself as, as falling into the 70% of Americans who suffer from loneliness. You need to know that you were wired, you were designed by a relational God to be in relationship. We were made to be in relationship with God, number one. And we were made to be in relationship with each other or one another. We were made to be in relationship with one another. Now, let me give a little, not disclaimer, but let me just inform everyone, especially all the single ladies, all the, anyone who is single this morning, not just single lady, I'm sorry, that's the part of me that, it just comes out from time, I, I can't, I, I shouldn't say I can't help it, sometimes I, there's no filter, but anyway, uh, let me address, because if you're single here this morning, not just girls, but guys, you might think, oh, he's talking about relationships and I don't have a boyfriend. I, I'm not talking about relationship as far as boyfriend or girlfriend or husband and wife, I'm just talking about relationship with people. Doing life with someone. Having friends that are encouraging you and helping you and building you up. So keep that in mind as I'm talking about relationships this morning. Look at Genesis chapter number, excuse me, I think I skipped a page here. No, I didn't. Genesis chapter number 2, verse 18. I'm sure you've seen this before if you've read the Bible. The Lord God, when He's making everything, everything that He makes, He says that it's good. But then after He makes man, God says... It's not good. Now, now, some of you ladies stop right there and see, and you say, see, God says that when he made man, it wasn't good. So he had to do something better, so he made a woman. No, he explains <laughs> why it wasn't good. He says, it's not good for the man to be what? Alone. 
You need to mark that in your Bible. Highlight that. It's not good for man to be alone. It's not good for me to be alone. God says, I will make a helper who is suitable for him. In other words, God created you to be in relationships. He created you to be um, connected with others. He created you to be in a family. He created you to be in community. To not be alone, but to be connected with other people. Now, I told you earlier that I read a a survey that that showed that 70% of Americans suffer from loneliness. And that's, that's a lot, 70%. But watch this. It doesn't mean that 7 out of 10 people have completely isolated themselves from society. It doesn't mean that these 7 out of 10 people are lonely because they just isolate themselves from society, but rather they have isolated themselves from relationships with others. You can be in a group of people and still be lonely. You you can be surrounded by people. You can be in a room this size and still be lonely. Because loneliness, listen to this, loneliness is the lack of genuine community. That's what loneliness is. Loneliness is the lack of genuine community. And so if, if you're wondering this morning why you're, why you're always lonely or why you're always feeling isolated or feeling uh, depressed because there's no one around or whatever, listen, it's, it's not because no one necessarily is physically there. It, it's because you are lacking intimate relationship. Intimate relationship with God or, or intimate relationship with another. Humans were made for relationships. Every single one of us have relational needs. We all want to be accepted. We all want to be approved. Um, we all want to be comforted. We're all in need of, of, um, of support, of protection. I mean, all of us have a longing for that. We all want to be accepted. We, accepted. we all want to experience affection. Those are relational needs. What does that mean? That means those are needs that you can't, can't feel on your own. It's going to take someone else or, or God to, to feel those relational needs. Humans were made for relationships. Third point, God's commandments are relational. God's commandments are relational. In Matthew chapter number 22, Jesus had been asked the question, Teacher, what is the greatest commandment? And Jesus, taking an opportunity to to teach here, he says this, Jesus replied, here's the greatest commandment. You must love the Lord your God with all of your heart, all of your soul, and all of your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. Now look at verse 39. Uh, And the, the second is equally important. Love your neighbor as yourself. Remember, what is the question? What is the greatest commandment? Jesus says the greatest thing that you can do, the greatest commandment is to love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, and mind. And the second is equally, that you know what equal means, right? It means the same. It's just as important. Love your neighbor as yourself. Those commandments right there are relational commandments. Love God and love others. To be relational means that you're, you're interacting with others. You're, you're giving of yourself or you're receiving something. There's, there's relation 
that's happening. This is the greatest commandment, and it's a relational command. And then Jesus goes on to say in verse 40, he says, all of the other laws and and all the other writings that the prophets have given you are based on these two commandments. In other words, every other law or every other commandment grows out of these two commandments right here. If you think about it, you you look at all the commandments in Scripture, every one of them are are relational. Even when you think about the Ten Commandments. Don't kill anyone. That's that's relating with people. (laughs) Y'all get the point, right? I don't have to go through all of them, but they're, they're relational commandments. God is trying to teach us through His Word, through His commands, how to relate to other people. How to love one another. How to forgive one another. How to bear one another's burdens. How to comfort one another. How to pray for one another. These are all things to to help make us better. To help make others better. To help the church as the body of Christ become better and more effective by all of us fulfilling our roles as being relational. God's commandments are relational. In fact, the entire Christian faith is based on the idea of loving God and loving others. That's the entire Christian faith is based on relationships. Our relationship with God, our Christian walk, as we learned last week, and relationships with others. And our purpose as the church, watch this, our purpose as the church is to demonstrate the love of God to this world. That's our purpose. Our purpose as the church or as the body of Christ is to be a beacon of hope in this dark world. To be the salt and to be the light and to help bring people into God's family. Did you know that's why we exist? Okay, you didn't know that. That's why we exist. That's why the church exists. To be the the salt and light and to bring people into God's family. That's what church is all about. It's, It's one thing to hear the gospel preached, but it's something completely different to live out the gospel and to demonstrate the gospel so that the world can see what a a real, right, holy, healthy, wholesome community family looks like. And I feel like that God wants us to spend some time here in this series because if we're truly going to be the beacon of hope to the world, then, then we have to be that, that healthy body. We have to uh, uh, learn to be united together as a family so that the overall body is more effective in accomplishing God's mission on this earth. Think about this. When, when Jesus came to this earth and uh, He did His work and you know, he preached the gospel of the kingdom, He did all these things, and then He died on the cross and then he um, was raised back to life and he spent 40 days just going about, you know, reaffirming his teaching. And then he ascended up into heaven. Do you know what he left behind? He didn't leave behind his word. His word was already here. Now, the New Testament was written later, but we already had the law of God and the prophets, the writing of the prophets, and the, the Psalms and various things. We had the Old Testament. But what Jesus left behind was not the Bible to demonstrate God's love. What Jesus left behind was the church. The body of Christ. To do what? To go about throughout all the world and preaching the gospel 
to show people the love of God, to demonstrate to other people, unbelievers, what true community looks like. Our world needs to see this. There is so much. I mean, you, you can't even watch TV for, for five minutes, the news, without, without seeing all the hate that's in our world. The racial tension that's in our, our world. The divide between Democrats and Republicans and independents and, and liberals and you know, socialism and all these things that, that are out there that people choose to take aside. And I mean, you, you mention one thing that's not in their belief and it's just, it's hate. Hostility that's in our world. Someone needs to model what wholesome, healthy community looks like. And guess whose role that is to model that? It's our role as the body of Christ, the church, to model God's idea of family and community. We were created for community and we need one another. That's why Paul said that in Christ we are members of one another. Paul is using this metaphor. Now, he uses other metaphors, but in this particular writing and in a couple other places, he uses the metaphor of the body of Christ being, being like our physical body. He says that just as your physical body is one, but many members, and we, we know what that means. We, mean, we know that this is one body. I mean, I can't take my head off and, and, and set it over here for a while and then walk around with that. I know I may act like my head's not attached sometimes, but, but this is one body. I can't disassemble it and still be alive or effective. It's, it's one body with many members. There's organs, there's muscles, there's tendons, there's bones, there's ligaments, there's joints and phalanges and arteries and caterpillars. I mean, whatever those things are called. Uh, anyway, yeah, capillaries. What, what did I say? Y'all heard me. But he's comparing the body of Christ like, like, like a physical body that, that there are many members, but it makes up one body. And so it is with the church. The church is one body, but there are many individual members. So let's, let's go back and look at this in Romans chapter 12. Uh, verses 4 and 5, it says, for, uh, for as we have many members in one body, but all the members do not have the same function, that's, be you, be the, be the one that God designed you to be. Okay, That's, not in, that's really not my, in my notes, but someone needs to hear that. Don't try to be someone else. You, you, you are you. Uh, but all members do not have the same function, so we, being many, are one body in Christ and individually members of one another. There it is again. I mean, it's the same place, but we're reading it again. <laughs> The Apostle Paul here is describing the church as the body of Christ. And again, he is using this metaphor of our physical body. That, that just as our physical body has many members, so it is in our church or in the church that all of us are part of one body, but we're all individual members. We're, we're all members of one body. We all belong to one body. Here's, here's the point behind this. Look, church is not something that you go to. Church is something that you belong to. Very important. Many people, when they hear the church, they think about the building or the place that they, that they go. No, 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 no. When you look at Scripture, the church is not something you go to. The church is something you belong to. You belong here. Matter of fact, there's a lot of churches who coined that phrase and they put that on their, that, that's like their motto on their website or, 
or you see it on the, the doors going into the church, like, you belong here. How many's ever seen that? That's, that's, it's scriptural. You belong here. God, God wired you to be in His body. He wired you for, for, to be in family. I'm not talking about your earthly family. Listen, some of you is like, well, I don't want to be in a family because my family's been broken. It's dysfunctional. Your earthly family is nothing but a channel that God used to bring you into His family. You need to know that. God wants you in His family. So, so church is not something you go to. It's something that you belong to. It's about relationships. Everybody say relationships. It's about our relationship with God and our relationship with others. Working together as the body to demonstrate God's love to the world. That's our mission. Working together to accomplish the mission of God. Just look at your physical body. You know that, that, that when one, if something's not working correctly, it, it, it affects the whole body. <laughs> Jamie's like, yes, it does. She's in a walking boot right now. She can relate. And we're about to read that here in a minute, but, but, but when you're missing something, if you're missing a finger, if you're missing, you know, God forbid, a limb or something, it, it's going to affect the whole body. And so, yeah, you can still go through life, but, but you're not going to be near as effective as you could be if everything was whole. Paul uses this same metaphor when he writes to the church of Corinth in 1 Corinthians chapter 12. Let's look at verse 12. He says this, he says, The human body has many parts, but the many parts make up one whole body. So it is with the body of Christ. The church is the body. It's the body of Christ. And it's the body that's made up of many individual members. You may be here this morning and you may think that, that you don't have a role to play, that you don't belong, but, but as we're about to read and as I'm going to tell you right now, you belong here. You have a role. You have a purpose. You're part of the body of Christ. And every individual member is important, just like every individual member of your body is important. What is it? It's, is it your appendix? Uh, Y'all help me here that the doctors really don't know what, I mean, it's not that they don't, uh, they don't really know what role that it plays. And so they're like, yeah, we'll take that out. It's no big deal. It doesn't do anything anyway. I can promise you it's there for a reason. You, you may not know why it's there. Uh, doctors may not know why it's there. But I can guarantee you the God who, who knows everything about your body, it's there for a reason. We may not ever figure that out on this side of heaven, but I think maybe that might be lesson number one when we all get to heaven. Everybody sit down, I'm going to tell you what, what the purpose of the appendix was. <laughs> but all of us are important. We're all part of the body. Everyone has a role to play. Paul, Paul says the, the foot can't say but because I'm not a hand that I'm not important. You know, I'm just down here in this, in this shoe and, and everybody gets to see the hand so I must not be important. He says the ear can't say because I'm not an eye, I'm not part of the body. No, Paul says all members of the body are necessary to make it healthy. Let's keep reading. Uh, 1 Corinthians 12, look at verse 18. We're going to read 18, 18 through 27. But our bodies have many parts and God has put each part just where He wants it. How strange a body would be if it had only one part. Yes, there are many parts, but only one body. The eye can never say to the hand, I don't need you. This is, man, this is so important. When you're thinking about the body of Christ and all of us as individual members, 
There's no way that we can look at any one person in here and say, I don't don't need you. We all have a role. Yes, you, you you may not have discovered why you need that person, or why you need their gifting in your life, or why you need you know, the, the way that God has wired them in your life. But Paul is saying here, the eye can never say to the hand, I don't need you. The head can't say to the feet, I don't need you. In fact, some parts of the body that, make it, that, that seem weakest and least important are actually the most necessary. And the parts that we regard as less honorable are those that we clothe with the greatest care. So we carefully protect those parts that should not be seen, while the more honorable parts do not require this special care. So God has put the body together such that extra honor and care are given to those parts that have less dignity. This makes for, the key word here, this makes for harmony among the members. So that, everybody say so that, so that all the members care for each other. If one part suffers, all the parts suffer. You, you know that. If you've, ever, if you've ever stumped your toe, I mean, it's like immediately your hands, just, they'll, they'll grab that thing and just squeeze it and just hold it. Your, your, your whole body is suffering because your, your little toe got, got hit, right? I mean, you, you know. I mean, it just, Paul's given this, this metaphor, this analogy of, of how this affects the body of Christ. We, we may not realize it. We may not think much of, yeah, it's just Austin. It's no big deal. Or it's, it's just so-and-so. It's no big deal. No, no, no. If, if he's suffering, if he's not fully functioning in the role that God has called him to or, 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 or working in this role that God has for him, then whether we realize it or not, the whole body is suffering. We're not going to be, yeah, we can still get by. We can still carry out certain missions and various things. But we would be more effective if everyone was whole and everyone was connected and plugged in. So he says that just as one part suffers, all the parts suffer. And if one part is honored, all the parts are glad. Verse 27, all of you together are Christ's body, and each of you is a part of it. Now, here's what I see. When we may look and say, well, you know, I don't need you, I don't need you, or I don't need you, I don't need you. I can do this on my own. Listen carefully at this next point here. Being a Christian is not only a commitment to Christ, it is also a commitment to the body of Christ, the church. You you need to know this. Being a Christian is not only a commitment to Christ, but it's also a commitment to the body of Christ, the church. Notice I didn't just say to the church, because as I said earlier, there's a lot of people that think that the church is is a building. I'm not talking about your commitment to, to, to the building as church attendance. I'm thankful for it. I think that you should be, should be here. But Christianity is about your, your relationship with God and your relationship with others, your commitment with others. In fact, I, a lot of times I hear people say like, well, you know, you don't have to go to church to be a Christian. I'm a Christian. I just don't go to church. I'm not going to argue whether or not you could be a Christian and not go to church. I'll tell you, you won't be a very good one. <laughs> Did y'all hear that? You're not going to be a very good one because you, you need to be around people. You can't, you can't be patient with one another if you don't have one another to be patient with or around. Does that make sense? Where do you learn patience? Where do you learn to forgive people? Where do you learn to encourage one another? 
Not just at church, but being in relationships. But, but you should be coming because you want to learn how to more effectively be uh, the servant that God has called you to be so that we can be more effective as the church body to do more for the kingdom of God. So if, if you don't have a commitment to, to the body of Christ, you, you need to wonder, is, you know, do I even really have a love for God? Because the greatest commandment is to love God and to love my neighbor as myself. Our commitment to one another. You and I were created to be in relationships. Not to do life alone. We've heard that a lot. You, God didn't create you to do life alone. God created you to be in relationships. I can tell you this. I believe that loneliness is a plot of the enemy. Matter of fact, I know it is. You, you look at, God compares um, Satan, he says he's like a roaring lion. He's roaming, seeking who he may devour. He's, he's like a, a predator that's out there trying to find someone that's in the flock, trying to get that one little sheep or trying to get that goat or trying to get that, that, that prey to be isolated from the herd so that he can really pounce on him and attack him and devour him. Loneliness is a plot of the enemy. I'm here to tell you if, you, if you, if you're going through loneliness this morning, if you're battling loneliness... I, here to tell you, you need to find hope in the Word of God, that God is a relational God. First of all, cast your cares on Him, for He cares for you. Take His yoke upon you, because His yoke is easy and light. There you can find rest there. Find relationship in God, and begin to find relationship with one another. To build one another up, to encourage one another. One of, our, one of our steps when we did the Christian walk to, to grow in our walk with God is to attend church faithfully. Obviously, you are here today, but not all of you are consistent. You need to make it a point to attend church faithfully so that you can hear the Word of God be taught and so that you can interact with, with, your, with your fellow members of, of the body of Christ. Get to know one another. As a matter of fact, this is one of the things that, that I shared with our, our lead team group a couple of months ago that, that I really feel that I want to get back, and I say get back, some of you don't even know this because you haven't been coming long enough, but when we first started the church, we were really big on like church, church-wide activities, like family nights and various things. Of course, we were, we were a lot smaller then, but I believe that that was the key to, to growing and establishing relationships, people getting to know one another, and next thing you know, they're, they're serving with one another on various teams. And that's, that's really the goal of, of, of these, like the ice cream social coming up on September the, the 22nd. The goal is not so we can go out and load up on, on ice cream, even if it's, you know, fat-free or, you know, it's, the goal is not to get out there and eat ice cream together. The, the goal is to build relationships. The goal is to get to know your brothers and sisters in the Lord so that we can become more effective for the kingdom of God. Some people say, well, I just, you know, I just don't like going with people. Or I don't like going to church because, you know, I was, I was hurt at church or I was hurt here. You know what? I've been hurt at restaurants before. I still go because I, I, my body needs food. I've been, I've been offended by attendance at a convenience store, a gas pumping station before. Been offended by them or just, you know, just, they were just rude to me. But I still go, you know why? Because my truck needs to be fueled every week and a half or so. Depends on where I go. I need that fuel to keep me going. My, my point is, is that we need one another. Look at your neighbor right now and say, I need you. Now don't make it weird and awkward if they're not your spouse and you go, I need you. <laughs> We, we need one another. 
We were meant to be in relationship. Listen, working together to accomplish the mission of God. Working together. Everybody say working together. To be the body of Christ. Helping other people. Loving one another. Encouraging one another. Comforting one another. Honoring one another. Accepting one another. So so that we may be complete and whole and healthy and effective as the body of Christ. Now this morning was really just an introduction really to to this series because in in this series as we move forward, we're going to break down uh, many of these one another commandments and we're going to look at just that command and and we're going to look at application of how I can take that commandment and how I can put it in my life and start walking that out so that overall the body of Christ will become more whole, so that it will become more complete, so that it will become more united, so that we'll become closer in community. We'll become a closer family. But today, here's what I want to close with. I want, I want everyone to bow your heads and close your eyes. And I, I'm finished with my message, but I, but I, want, to, I want you to know this. Because I know that it could be very easily... Uh, taken that or anytime that I teach on relationships or family or community, you could very easily go back to your childhood or maybe you think about your family or you think about how the way that you were treated when you were younger or how someone you know didn't show you the love that you needed or they abused you or they neglected you or you know they took advantage of you or various things like that and you may think, well I, you know I, nobody wants me, nobody loves me, nobody approves of me. Nobody will accept me. Nobody wants to be around me. I'm here to tell you that is the voice of the enemy. To try to make you feel unworthy. To try to make you feel unloved. To try to make you feel that nobody cares or nobody accepts you. I want to tell you this. First of all, the very first point that I told you this morning is that God is a relational God. God loves you. God cares about you. God is very aware of everything that you've walked through in this life and everything that you're currently walking through and everything that you're going to walk through in this life. And He loves you. And His number one goal for bringing people into this world was so that ultimately they would be in His family. And so that they would eternally be with Him forever throughout all eternity. And so God's number one goal for you this morning is to bring you into His family. The family of God. To become a child of God. So that God can become your Father. And so that God can care for you and love on you and embrace you. And if you're here this morning and you have never accepted Jesus as your Lord and Savior, you've never made a decision to to become part of the family of God, I'm I'm here to tell you this morning, his, his arms of love and acceptance are wide open today. If there's one that's in this room this day that says, Scott, I, I would love to become part of the family of God today. I just want you to simply raise your hand and put it right back down. Is, is there one that's in this room? Is there one? Praise the Lord. I pray that this morning that, that because of that, without anyone raising their hand, that we're all part of the family of God. Now here's my second, here's my second thing for you this morning. Not only does God want to pull you into His family, but He wants you to embrace your role and find your purpose, to discover the gifts that He's put inside of you, not just for yourself, but so that you can work together in the family of God and make it as effective as it could 
as, as he wants it to be so that we can reach the world for Christ, so that we can win this city. God has a plan and a purpose for the Refuge Church. I know that over the years, I've kind of lost sight of that and kind of got off track in various things, but I'm telling you that our church exists for a reason. God has a plan and a purpose for all of us. And as a body of believers that God wants us to all to contribute for us to grow together and care for one another and learn to grow in this relationship so that overall we can become more effective as a community. We're all members of one body. My prayer today and as we move through this series is that we would embrace these commandments and that we would fulfill the ultimate, the great commission of loving others, loving God, and making a difference being the beacon of hope, being the salt, being the light, being purpose-minded people and purpose-driven people. Let me pray over you this morning. Father, I am so thankful, Lord, for each and every one who is here today. God, I'm thankful, Lord, for all of those who have given their lives to you and uh, have become part of the family of God. Lord, I pray that today, as, as I have done this teaching on the, the fact that we're all members of, of one another and that we belong to the family of God, I pray that we would start seeing our life for bigger than just our own individual purpose, that we would see it, Lord, as, as ultimately how we can contribute to your family. And God, I pray that as we take a step as a church to become more relational and try to, try to offer more ways for people to get connected and, and just fellowship together, Lord, your word teaches us that if we'll commit our actions to you, that our plans will succeed. God, I pray that as we step out into these monthly church-wide activities and as we step into um, new ideas of trying to connect people, God, that it would be effective. That your hand would be upon it, God. And that people would learn to love one another and grow in relationship and begin to pray for one another to make one another better so that ultimately we can effectively accomplish the mission that you have put this church here to accomplish. Bless us now as we go our separate ways. Bless every family that's represented. And I pray that we would be the hands and feet of Christ to this lost and hurting world. In Jesus' name. And everybody said amen.